Have you ever wondered what is it like to study Japanese in Tokyo? In my case, it's a dream come true. However, before moving to Japan, I started learning the language in my home country, Colombia. Although I had native teachers in Bogota, nothing compares to the unique and eye-opening experience of learning Japanese in Tokyo. Welcome to Portraits of Life in Japan. This is your host, Monclu Caroline. I am a 26-year-old Colombian writer living in Saitama. Since I came to Japan in August of 2022, I've been working as an English teacher. Nevertheless, right now, I am taking an intensive Japanese course. I go to a school in Tokyo every day and study there for three hours. If you are interested in coming to Japan to study the language soon, this episode is for you. Today, I'm going to share with you my experience with the Japanese language. But just before we do that, I need to tell you and give you a reminder that if you're ready to discover Japan through a new lens, you can subscribe to Portraits of Life in Japan to get noticed when I post a new episode. You can also find this podcast in any podcast app on the planet, including, of course, Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Amazon. Plus, make sure to follow Portraits of Life in Japan on Instagram to keep updated with this podcast. Remember, being true to ourselves is our greatest strength. Before talking about my experience studying Japanese in Tokyo, I want to share with you how it was my first time learning the language. I have a bachelor's degree in social communication, majoring in journalism from one of the top private universities in Colombia. Thanks to this, I had the opportunity to take a Japanese language class when I was a 20-year-old university student. I remember so vividly my first Japanese language lesson. We were like 40 students from different majors with the same dream, going to Japan someday. We were all early to class, which isn't pretty usual in college. But I guess at least we all knew that Japanese people are very punctual. The door opens and a Japanese old man, very skinny and bold, wearing glasses and carrying a briefcase comes in. Please keep in mind that this was my first time, and I'm sure the first time of my classmates, interacting with a Japanese person in real life. The teacher stares at us very intensely with a serious face. We all stay quiet. He introduces himself. His last name is Asai. In Japanese, sensei means teacher. So he asks us to call him Asai-sensei. He then starts picking up random people and asks them, why do you want to study Japanese? Some say that they want to be able to watch anime without subtitles. Others say that they want to go to Japan someday. Asai-sensei listens quietly and after getting a couple of answers, he says If you just want to travel to Japan, you don't need to study Japanese. At least you want to live there or work in Japan. I don't recommend you to study such a hard language. We weren't expecting such a harsh answer, but Asai-sensei was right. Japanese is indeed one of the hardest languages to learn. Then he said, Did you know that to read the newspaper you need to know at least 2,000 kanji? Again, he gave us a very serious stir and asked us, Do you think you can memorize 2,000 kanji? 
And I don't know about other countries, but in Colombia, we're pretty positive and passionate. So all of us replied shamelessly. Of course! That day, a sensei was pretty strict and harsh, which is why the next class, and I'm not lying, I wish I was lying, but for real, after the first class, the majority dropped out. The next day, only 10 students, including me of course, came back. Learning Japanese as a 20-year-old felt so strange. I had to study hiragana and katakana and I remember that I felt like a baby because I was learning a new language from zero. When I was learning English, at least the alphabet was the same as in Spanish. But Japanese is so different, so I had to learn how to write and read from scratch. I felt like a baby because I was learning how to read and write, but at the same time I felt very conscious. So learning such a different language from yours as an adult is like being a baby with a sense of consciousness. I used to spend many hours at the library practicing and memorizing hiragana and katakana until one day I was able to read. And it was so hard, but I felt so accomplished and so proud of myself. Learning a new alphabet is the most difficult thing I have ever accomplished in my whole life. Let's be honest, I was studying journalism, so my career wasn't as difficult as medicine. But I felt that the Japanese language was challenging and rewarding at the same time. I studied Japanese for one year and a half at that time. We took the course for three hours per day, three times a week. Each level lasted six months, so I completed three levels in total. On my first day of class, during the first level, we were 40 students. But at the third level, there were only six of us left. The thing about learning Japanese is that when you feel that you have finally mastered something, you learn something new that's even more difficult. When I look back at my experience at university learning the Japanese language, I can say that it was traumatic. And I remember that I put so much effort into it, but still, I was one of the worst students in my class. And I did study so much, but I was still bad at it. We couldn't continue to the next level because there were not enough students to open level 4. After that, I tried attending other Japanese language schools in Bogota, the capital of Colombia. My teachers were Japanese, but it was still difficult and I felt stuck. It felt like I couldn't advance more, even if I wanted to, because of lack of motivation and also because it was pretty expensive to stay studying Japanese on my own, I dropped off. Thanks to my Japanese language course in Colombia, I met a lot of Japanese exchange students who were learning Spanish. I think I helped them more to learn Spanish than they helped me to learn Japanese, which makes sense because they came to Colombia. I had many Japanese friends and for a while that felt like enough for me. Sometimes some of them would teach me Japanese words, but I wasn't studying Japanese at that moment. I felt so tired that I took a long break from Japanese language. Maybe I took a four-year break from the language. And of course, I forgot a lot of grammatical rules and words. But then I met my Japanese husband in Colombia and we got married and now I live in Japan. 
learning the Japanese language in Japan is dramatically different from learning the language in Colombia. So now let's talk about what it's like to learn Japanese in Tokyo. Before coming to Japan, I reunited with Asai Sensei and he recommended studying the language first and then getting a job. The reason was because he said that Japanese work culture is so intense that I wouldn't have time to study. And he was right. I came to Japan and started working right away, so I didn't have time or energy left to study Japanese. As I was working as an English teacher, I was talking in English at my workplace. And though I could understand what the students were saying to me in Japanese, I was living in a bubble where only communicating in English was enough. On the other hand, Japan is filled with self-service machines, so it's not very common to have human interactions. <laughs> Because of this, if you're a foreigner, you can simply change the language to English, so there's not much pressure to speak Japanese for daily tasks. However, I didn't like being so dependent on my husband to communicate. For example, if I need to go to the city hall or the hospital, he always comes with me. At my work, I got to know many foreigners who have been living in Japan for more than six years. They can't speak Japanese. I didn't want that to happen to me, so I decided to quit and take an intensive Japanese course for six months. And if you're wondering why I didn't follow Asai Sensei's advice, <laughs> the reason is because I was saving money for my wedding. However, after I did the wedding, I decided to go for my dream. Looking for a Japanese language school in Tokyo wasn't easy. We'll be right back. Hey, thanks so much for listening to Portraits of Life in Japan. Thanks to you, my dear global citizen, this amazing project keeps growing. That's why I am very excited to announce that Portraits of Life in Japan exclusive membership is now available. I will give a shout out to everyone who supports me on Patreon plus other benefits. To get more details about this membership, please click the link on the description of this episode and join my global citizens community. Your support means everything to me. Now let's get back to the episode. What is it like to study Japanese in Tokyo? It's the best experience I have ever had in my whole life. First of all, the teachers talk mostly in Japanese, even when they are explaining grammar. The Japanese language proficiency test has five levels, N1, N2, N3, N4 and N5, with N1 being the highest level and N5 the lowest. So right now I am finishing the N5 level. I know how to read and write katakana and hiragana and I have memorized over 50 kanji. But I'm still at the lowest level. I have studied a lot but I'm still a beginner. To read a novel in Japanese you need to know at least 2000 kanji. With my current level I think I cannot read children's books. So if you're wondering what kanji is. Kanji are Japanese characters and one of the three writing systems. So the other two are hiragana and katakana. Before learning kanji, you need to learn hiragana and katakana. Hiragana is the Japanese alphabet. So in English and Spanish, the alphabet is A, B, C, D, E, right? 
However, in Japanese, the alphabet is something like tachitsu teto, mami mume mo, like that. And katakana is the alphabet used for writing and pronouncing words in other languages. So, for example, we have the word door in English, like open the door. So, probably the door that you're imagining right now is a western door. Traditional Japanese houses have sliding doors. So, in Japanese, the word for western doors is doa. So, this word comes from the English language and is written in the katakana alphabet, which was created for saying words in other languages in Japanese. For you English speakers, it sounds like door. But for Japanese people, it sounds like doa. Now, let me explain why Japanese has these three systems for writing and pronouncing words. Imagine that the word moon has one symbol that represents the moon. That symbol will be kanji. But to know how to read kanji, you need to know that in hiragana, the moon is suki. So every time you see that unique symbol, you know that it's pronounced suki. In hiragana. Now, depending on the words next to the kanji, the ways of reading are different. This happens because Japanese comes from the Chinese language. While in China, everything is written in kanji, there's no hiragana or katagana, Japanese people invented their own version of kanji by simplifying Chinese characters. Nevertheless, as Japanese language has their roots in the Chinese language, when you learn a kanji, you need to memorize its pronunciation pronunciation in both Japanese and Chinese. In this podcast, I have mentioned several times how complex Japanese society is. But you also need to know that the language is even more difficult. And I think that's what makes learning Japanese so challenging and rewarding at the same time. It's a beautiful language. The fact that every word has a symbol with a lot of meanings is amazing. For example, the Japanese teacher taught us that the kanji for person is hito. Visually, it looks like a person's legs, so you use only two strokes to write down that kanji. But its meaning is that in order to be one human being, two humans are required. The explanation that she gave us makes a lot of sense since it's in sync with the way Japanese people think. So, in a few words, a person cannot exist or survive by themselves. One human being always needs others. So, as Japanese people value so much collectivity and teamwork, I found this definition pretty interesting. As I come from the Western world, where we have a more individualistic culture, it never crossed my mind that the word person implies the existence of others. This attention to detail and the way each kanji deeply explains something about the world we live in is so valuable to me. I used to feel stuck with my learning process with Japanese because I didn't practice the things that I learned. But when you're in Japan, the kanji that you learned in class is on the train. The vocabulary that the teacher taught you, you need to use it in your daily life. This way, it's easier for you to remember what you learn. The best part of studying Japanese in Tokyo is that slowly you start picking up some words when listening to Japanese people outside of class. In my case, I studied Japanese to become a functional member of society here. Thanks to my school, I have found a sense of purpose and a community of foreign people who are going through the same struggles. 
I used to feel so lonely, lost and unmotivated. But making friends in class from different cultures and laughing and learning together, it's the most precious treasure I have found here. I think that for me, starting to work in Japan right away after coming here was very tough. There was a point where I felt that I wasn't going to be able to live here. The cultural differences were too overwhelming for me. However, now that I am taking a very precious time in my life to focus only on studying Japanese and this podcast, of course, I have reconnected with the version of myself in her early 20s that was crazy about Japan and that really enjoyed this culture. Learning Japanese has been a healing process that has helped me look at Japan with a fresh perspective again. On the other hand, when I take the train every morning to go to school, it is so crowded that I can't even move my arms. I live in Saitama and my school is in Tokyo, which means it's very far away and it takes me at least one hour to get there. So as I take the train during rush hours, it is so crowded that There are professional pushers that work at the station and they help to shove passengers into busy trains. But besides how chaotic it is to take a train to Tokyo during rush hours, when I get to school every day, I realized it was worth it. In conclusion, I highly recommend you to study Japanese in Tokyo or any other city in Japan. Commuting is expensive and trains are very crowded during the morning, so I recommend you to live near to your Japanese school or maybe search for a language academy in rural areas. Studying Japanese is very expensive, but if you're planning to live, work or study in Japan, I think it's totally worth it. Talking about the Japanese friends I made in Colombia, in the next episode I'm going to have a very special guest. She's a brilliant Japanese woman who speaks Spanish and English and she will share her experience living in Colombia and the biggest cultural difference that caught her attention between Japanese and Western culture. Thank you so much for listening to Portraits of Life in Japan. Subscribe to Portraits of Life in Japan to get noticed when I post a new episode. If you want to propose new topics, you can leave a review over on Podchaser. You can go to podchaser.com, search Portraits of Life in Japan and leave your review there. It helps the show to get discovered and it helps me to promote the podcast. Remember, being true to ourselves is our greatest strength. See you next time.